we examined the first two giants in the life of David. And we said they were pictures and types of the world and the devil that we fight, you and I fight. Tonight we're looking at the, the last enemy of the Christian life, the last giant in David's life. And I'll tell you, I'm about wore out with these series. I'm glad when Wednesday night gets here and gets over with. I'm wore out. I might take me a two-week break. I'm telling you, I'm stressed out. But uh, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11 tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 11. And let's start at verse number 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when the kings go forth to battle, and David sent Joab and his servant with him and, uh, and all of Israel, and they all destroyed the children of Ammon, and besieged Raboth, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from... Now, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that, evening tide. You know what time of day that is? That's just late afternoon, ain't any dark. Sun hadn't even set. <laughs> and David's out on walking on his roof time. So, and it came to pass evening tide that David rose from his, off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself... And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after this woman, after one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter, Elam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came unto him. He laid with her, for she was purif purified from the uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David, I am with child. Look at the last sentence in verse number 27. The last sentence in verse 27 is this. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, grace, and love. We ask you, Lord, touch his hearts. Lift us up. Encourage us. Help us to be what we need to be. In the precious name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. What David does is such a heinous crime. He not only takes another man's wife, knowing that she is, his, his, he's committing adultery with this woman, and then he tries to cover up his great sin. He, he tries to hide what he has done. He has literally has her husband murdered. He sends Uriah, the death warrant by Uriah's hand to the front of the battle, to the hottest of the battle. They said, and they told him, it says, when you get to the hottest battles, put Uriah up front and then retire from him to, so he can be killed. So David not only is guilty of lust, he's guilty of lying and cheating, but he's fine that David is guilty of adultery and murder this evening. Do you realize something when David gets, gives his uh, Psalms uh, repentance in Psalms 51, David said, sacrifice and burnt offering, thou delightest not. He said, you don't even want to sacrifice for me, God. You don't want to even burnt offering for me. He says, sacrifice of God of a broken spirit and broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, thou wilt despise. You know why David said, you don't want to sacrifice for me, God? Why you don't want to burn offering? Because when you read in the book of Le uh, Leviticus, there was no sacrifice for murder. 
You, you could not go to the temple and say, here's my sacrifice for murder. I, I'm good now. No, you could not. There was not a, uh, a, a sacrifice for murder. There was sacrifice for all other kinds of sins. But murder, the Bible said, man sheddeth blood by man shall his blood be shed. In other words, David knew that he should have been killed because he had been a murderer. But by the mercy of God, by the loving mercy of God, David was not killed. And we find in this story giants that's inside David. We looked at the giant that was in front of David, that was Goliath, that was a picture of the, the world, we said. And when we look at that giant behind David that was chasing him, that's the picture of the devil. I want you to understand something. It wasn't the giant in front of him. It wasn't the giant behind him that brought David down. It was the giant inside of David that took him down. And this is the picture type of David's own flesh tonight. It's not an external giant that ruins David. It's an internal giant that ruins David. David, David tonight, you, you listen, the biggest battle and the biggest giant that you'll fight in your life is not the giant of the world, even though that is a giant that we must face daily and every day. The biggest and the toughest giant that you will fight in your life is not the devil, even though he is a formidable adversary. But the biggest giant that you'll ever fight in your life is the daily struggle, the daily fight, the daily grind with your own flesh this evening. I find many times it seems like the world and the devil gets a lot of blame for things that our flesh has done. And a lot of times the devil and the world has nothing to do with what's going on in your life or what's happening in your life. It wasn't the devil's fault. So why, why did he do what he did? Many times it's not the world's fault that we do what we do. Many times the only thing that we can do is to point our judgmental finger at ourselves. Say, Thou art the man. Thou art the one. You fight the fight of your life is the daily struggle that you'll fight. It wasn't the eternal giant done David in. I want you to understand that David was able to beat Goliath. He was able to defeat Goliath. David was able to overcome Saul. What ended up doing David in was his own carnal, lustful, rotten flesh. You can mark it down. What will do a Christian in if they just give a little space for the lust and the flesh of their flesh get a hold of it, it will ruin you, it will turn you upside down, it will make you something that you're not tonight. If you let the flesh just take a little bit of hold in your life, it will ruin you. That's why Jesus harped on the heart in his ministry so much. When he dealt with the Pharisees, he constantly looked at the Pharisees and said, For, for you are like uh, white uh, sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, 
but inward you're a man, dead man's bones. He said, you look good on the outside. You look real good on the outside, but the inside, you're dead. There's nothing right. Now, let me just say this. I'm all about being good on the outside, but being good on the outside, if you ain't good on the inside, makes no difference and no matter tonight. Here we find the giant of the flesh. What happens to David? He didn't take the advice of his own son Solomon that gives in the book of Proverbs. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of the, it is the issues of life. You better watch your heart today. You better guard the gates of your heart tonight. Be careful what you allow to walk uh, through the gates of your heart. It can take you down a path uh, that you will regret when you get down tonight. Be careful because the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. wicked. Who can know it? And when you begin not to guard your heart, you'll let some things walk through your heart unchecked heart and it will grab a hold of you and it will throw something back at you that you will regret in your life. Can I say this very tenderly? Let us approach the text tonight that we have just read very carefully. Uh, Be careful how we approach 2 Samuel chapter 11. What do you mean, preacher? What do you mean? Let us be careful that when we approach 2 Samuel chapter 11, we don't do it with an outstretched finger of judge and, and judgmental and condemnation towards David, but that we may fear and trembling said, we are considering ourselves, lest we be tempted. The Bible said, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Listen to me, if a man after God's own heart, if a man that wrote most of the book of the Psalms, if a man that knew God like David knew, he wrote scriptures like David wrote, if he can get messed up like David did, then it's possible for every man and woman sitting here tonight to get messed up just like David did. You say, well, I, I'm not like that. David wasn't like that to begin with. David had a heart. He was after God's own heart. But something happened that allowed that to take place in his life and messed him up. I wish I could say I have never seen God's people Sunday school teachers, preachers, singers, members, deacons that have never messed up. I wish I could say that, but I cannot tonight. If it can happen to David, let me give you a warning tonight. Let us approach this text and say, oh God, please keep me near the cross. Please, please keep my heart right. So that we don't wind up with a 2 Samuel chapter 11 in our lives tonight. You you will always be known for two things. Throughout your entire life you will always be known for two things. You're going to be known for your failures. And you're going to be known for your victories.
It's only two things you'll be known for all your, your failures and your victories. First thing out of your mouth when you, when you think of David, what's the first thing you think of? Goliath. What a victory David had. He defeated Goliath, that giant. He defeated, but what's the second thing you think about when you hear the name David? Bathsheba. We don't, re, we, we don't go through all the other things that David did and what he had done, but we do remember the victory that David had, and we definitely remember the defeat that David had. But I don't want to dwell too much on David's ruin tonight. I don't want to dwell on what he'd done wrong. I, I would like to look at his recovery, but I don't want to show you what led to his, but I want to show you what led up to his ruin real quick and maybe it's the stuff that you and I could take notice of first thing that led to his ruin this is where Christians get in trouble they get comfortable just a little bit too comfortable gotten a little bit too comfortable look at verse number one and it came to pass after the year was expired at the end of the time when the kings go forth to the battle and David sent Joab and his servants with him and all the Israel and they had destroyed the children of Ammon and he besieged Reba but David tarried still at Jerusalem it was not time for comfort it was not, it, it was time for combat. It was not time to take it easy. It was time to strap on the sword. It was not time to chill out. It was time to put on the helmet of, uh, of salvation, to put his breastplate on and gird up his goins and, and put on his combat boots. It was time for David to be in battle like all the other kings. But no, where did we find David at? He's kicked back, laid back, and gotten comfortable. That's, he opened the window to being comfortable. But instead of doing all that David has done, he, he did what he wanted to do. Let, let me say this. Be careful in doing what you want to do. Be very careful in doing what you want to do. Do what you should do tonight. Amen? Do you realize God will let you do exactly what you want to do? God, God is going to give you an avenue. God's going to try to get your attention, but God's going to let you do exactly what you want to do. God knew David what he was doing. God knew what was going to happen. It wasn't a surprise to God. So God let David do what David wanted to do. Be careful in doing what you want to do, but do what you should do tonight. Listen, if you just go ahead and do what the Bible says to do, you can forget about conflict. You won't have to go through anguish. Do what God said you should do. And you'll never regret doing what God says to do. The Bible said that David tarried still in Jerusalem. He's inactive. And the life of a Christian is a terrible thing to be uh, inactive. Be busy for God. An inactive kills a Christian. Just tarry still, just lay still, just sitting down and doing nothing tonight. Listen, there is no discharge from the war, and we are in a battle. You are called a soldier. There's no discharge in the war. You can't stand up and say, I'm just going to take me a break. As long as the battle is raging, you have to be on the battlefield fighting on. And we're in a battle tonight, and if there's no discharge, you cannot say, I'm just going to take it easy for a while. 
You have a constant battle with this world. You have a constant battle with the devil. And you have a constant battle with the flesh tonight. He, he got comfortable. He got carelessness. Look at verse number two. And it came to pass in the even time. I told you this is, even, this is not even dark. The sun hasn't set yet. And David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. Now I'm curious, why is David laying in his bed? <laughs> David's just laying around. <laughs> you know, I, this is what I, this is the day's question. David didn't have this, but I see us now laying in our beds tonight going, Look like anybody you know? <sighs> David was laying down in his bed. He should not have been there. He's, he's, he's gotten carelessness. He should have been in the battle. He should have been at the battlefield, but he wasn't there. And it wasn't time for him to go to bed. But he'd gotten comfortable. He'd gotten careless. His mind has become idle. This is not in the Bible, but Spurgeon said this, idle man tempts the devil to tempt him. I love that. An idle man tempts the devil to tempt you. In other words, be busy for God. You cannot be tempted by the devil if you're doing things for God, being busy for God. And the devil will use your flesh against you tonight. Amen. The devil knows your weaknesses. He knows your buttons to push. And if you get idle on God and you sit down and you get comfortable and you get carelessness and you start doing things you shouldn't do, the devil's going to say, hey, I've got him now. I can tempt him with this. And many of Christians have fallen by the way because they got comfortable. They got careless. Look at, look at uh, Psalms 101. Look at Psalms 101. He's, he's gotten carelessness. He's careless. He just, he's laying around. Watch what he said in Psalms 101. He's making provision for the flesh. The Bible said, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. David's doing against that. He's making provisions for his flesh. Why, why didn't we wait until it was dark to ride around on his house? Why didn't he uh, wait until it was nothing? I'll tell you why he knew. Because he knew that's when they would be bathing on the rooftops. Amen. Verse number two of Psalms 101. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. David said, when I'm in my own house, I'm going to keep my heart right with God. He's not going to do anything uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 8. He's, he's broken his own principles that he said, I will keep my right, I will keep my heart right, I, I will act wisely. Let me just say this. David has broken his own principle. Make good godly principles in your life that you're willing to uncompromise, that you will not compromise them. 
When you say, I'm, I'm not going to do that, draw a line somewhere and say, hey, I, I'm not going to cross that line. I'm not going to pass that line. I, I'm gonna, then when I get there, I know that, hey, I've already made my mind up back there. That's, I'm not going to that place. I, I'm not going to go to that place. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going there because I already made my mind. That is something I will not compromise in my life. Make good godly principles in your life and hold on to them. Can I tell you that David is not no some young buck in this text here. David's not 19, 18, 20. He's not, he's not that. David is a middle-aged man in this text. He's a middle-aged man in this text. David has lived for God for a while. He has gained the kingdom. He's a middle-aged. Listen, what I'm about to tell you. The older you get in the Lord, the more the devil wants your testimony. The older you serve God, the longer you work God, he, he wants to. When you've been serving God for 40, 50, 60 years, the devil knows, hey, if I get that testimony, if I get that one, it's going to be a ruin to them. Hey, he can get some young one. But a young one who get over 20, 30 years down the road, they won't remember. But somebody in their prime, somebody at 5, 50, 60 years serving God, fall and stumble and make a mistake and get a ch Samuel chapter 11 in their life, Everybody's going to remember it. The devil wants to destroy, destroy your testimony. Why? Because it means more. It means more now. He, he, he got comfortable. It was carelessness. He had that carnal look. Psalms 101.3 It was just Done saying it. Verse 2, I will walk with my house with my perfect heart. Verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Where is he at? What is he doing? What he's doing in 2 Samuel chapter 11, he has set a wicked thing before his eyes. He's gotten a carnal look and he's looking going, let me just, I've told you this before and I'll tell you again. It's that first look that's not lust. You, you cannot help it what happens in front of you. You cannot help it. It's that long second look. What gets you? It's not the first look, it's that second look that gets you. David has set something wicked before his eyes. He knew it. He should not have been looking. He knew he shouldn't have taken a second look. He knew what was going to happen. I'm telling you, David has all the makings of a ruin. And he gets ruined. And it's his own flesh that does him in. A carnal look. Too much comfort. Carelessness. He is shot right down the tubes. He goes from hero to zero in a flash of an eye. We're talking about a spiral out of control. Many chapters in David's life after this is, out of, is one messed up after another. One messed up after another. So how do we recover how do we recover from something that David went through? How do we recover from a second Samuel chapter 11 in our life? How do we recover from a fight with the flesh? Well, we have looked at the ruins of how do we recover? Listen, don't ever get to the place where you think you are living beyond the place where you will never mess up. 
I'm trying to help you to the place where you don't have to big mess in your life like David. Everybody has some sort of fight. Some sort of fall with the flesh tonight. But get to the place where it totally wipes you out, messes you up, you should avoid. So how do we combat? Look at chapter 12, 2 Samuel. David gets recovered and he gets to the right place to go on. Give you three things and we'll go home. First of all, you've got to respond to the preaching. Verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan. Who is Nathan? He's a prophet. He is a preacher. He's got a message from God. He's going to give it the word to the Lord. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. David comes, Nathan comes to David and gives him this story. You know the story. I don't have to tell you the story. The story of these two men, one's rich, one's poor, one's got exceedingly much, and one has nothing. And, and someone comes by the way, firing away, and he takes what the man had was one and gave it offering up and started taking his. He took the one lamb that God had, and he had many. David gets upset. And David's about to give his own sentence. I want look at the look at this. You're talking about in your face preaching. Look here. In verse number seven, and David said, and Nathan said unto David, Thou art the man. That thou art the man, David. David has just done something, man, that that knows this. No man knows what David's done. The man had done something, surely die. He said, this man has done this, surely should die, and he should restore the lamb fourfold. Watch what David does with his preaching, verse number 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also have put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. You see what happens here when he's confronted with the preaching, when David's flesh was confronted with a straight-up Bible message from God. David does not get bent out of shape. David doesn't get all, all, all uh, huffy about it. He doesn't say, hey, I'm out of here, I'm not coming back. Uh, David don't say that. Amen. He does not look for a fight. Nathan said, Nathan, I'm going to, to ever listen to you preach again. He said, I'm going to do that. Nathan, I ain't coming to your church no more. I'm not going to be around you no more, Nathan. You, 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 you get in my face. I don't want to hear that. He didn't say that. No, he hears the message. And he said, I have sinned. I am sorry for my sin. He heard the word of God and he said, you are right, preacher. I am wrong and this is wrong in my life. And I'm, I'm going to get it right. You know what? What David realizes, he realizes. Listen, it's not the preacher that's giving him the message. It was God that gave the message to the preacher. Because David had hid what he had done. David hadn't hid it. Nathan, Nathan didn't know a thing about what was going on. He didn't know anything about going on. Because you look at verse number 12. For thou didst secretly. In other words, David realized that the preacher did him in no 
God knew, so I'm getting mad at the preacher for no reason for telling me what God told him to tell me. It's God. You, it's God is you. You're telling me. I, I cannot tell you how many times people have said, who told you that about me? I, I've had them all over the place. Tell me why they tell, tell you that. I, nobody's told me nothing about you. We, we don't go around telling what we know about people. But certainly God knows. God knows. We, I, I preached one time in Florida. And I was preaching on the marriage. And how it should be a communion. It should not be one way. Well this woman was sitting out there. And her husband had been a kind of abusive and I was talking about abusive husband and, all that, and, I, and she just kind of looked at me Glenn, I said, what I, I looked at her and I said, well, if I had an abusive husband, I'd just knock him in the head with something. Got through preaching, standing at the door, and everybody's leaving. She's, the husband comes to me and says, who told on me? I said, who what? Who told on me? What are you talking about? Who told you that I'd abuse my wife? I said, ain't nobody told me. In fact, you just told me yourself. I did not know that. God showed Nathan that David needed this word in his life and David realized that it was God speaking through Nathan to point out the sin in his life. When you hear the word of God, Paul said when you hear of us, you receive it not of the word of man, but as the truth, the word of God, which affectionately worketh also you that believe. That's why I love preaching. I, I really do. I, that's why I invite preachers to come and preach because I, I love to sit right there and just say, feel me. Preach to me. I, I get excited. I, I, and, you know, let me tell you, preachers need preaching too. We need it too. And that's why I really love preaching because God's got a word for every one of us. And I guarantee you, God has got a word for me. God's got a word for you. And he's going to send somebody to give us that word. Amen. First Samuel. If you look at First Samuel, there's a difference between Saul's reaction and David's reaction. First Samuel. Chapter 15, verse 23. You, you remember Saul's sin, Saul's thing that he had God's spirit from him. It says, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is an iniquity and adultery because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He that also rejected thee from being king. Watch this. And Saul said unto Samuel, the man of God, God sent, God told him, God gave him a message to tell him this. I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord. When Saul sins, he said, well, I broke the law. I broke the law. He just looked at it as the law. I broke the law. That's not the way David acts. David said, and, and back in 12, uh, 12, 13, I have sinned against the Lord. It's not about, well, I, I messed up, I broke the law. 
David said it's more uh, than just breaking the law. It's that I have broken the heart of the one who gave the law. And it's tearing me up. It's tearing me up on the inside. Can I tell you what David said in Psalms 51? This is the repentance of this occurrence. For I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is forever for me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou may, mightest be justified when thou speak and be clear when thou judge. You see what David says? He's all broken up. He says, I regret my, my, I regret my fellowship with God has been broken. We've talked about the fellowship with God. I have sinned against you. He said, forget about, forget about everybody. I've sinned against you and you alone. He says, God, I have broken your heart. Do you value your walk with God tonight? Do you value your walk with God to the point that when the flesh tries to interrupt your fellowship with God, it bothers you? Or are you the type of Christian that we have such a minimal walk with God that when your flesh interrupts your walk with God, you don't even recognize it? You don't even recognize it. I'm looking forward to going to heaven. I don't have to do the daily fight with my flesh. And if you sitting here and don't have an idea what I'm saying, what I'm talking about, a daily fight with the flesh, mark us down. Your fellowship with God is not where it should be. Every day there's a constant fight. I'm not talking about that constantly eschewing the evil and accepting the good. It's the daily fight in this thing. I'm daily fighting my flesh to keep it at bay. He responded to preaching. He regards his relationship with the Lord. He reacts right to chastening. David, David takes a whipping. Over this thing. He, he repents. He gets it right. He's still going to get spanked. Amen. Still going to get spanked. As a good father you will discipline your children. Amen. Good father you're going to discipline your children. If a father really loves his children he will chasten them. The Bible said foolish is the bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction will drive it far from him. I've been looking for that, don't spare the rod. It's not in there. <laughs> do what, when, when they're young, do it when they're young so they don't break your heart when they get older. Amen. When your have, child has done something wrong and they know they've done something wrong, they're going to get a spanking. And mine knew it. They knew when they'd done something wrong, I gave them that look. And when they got that look, they knew that when we get home, they were going to get their hineys tore up. But as soon as we get home, they, they, they put on them halos, come around, Daddy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
That's fine. That's good. You're sorry. But some things sorry will not take care of. And you're going to get a spanking to remember it. Amen. If every time we fall on our father, we make a mistake on our father, and all we have to do is run and say, I'm sorry, it, it, that becomes monotonous, becomes a mundane, because all we're doing is I'm sorry. I did, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're still going to get that spanking because what you did deserved the spanking. And David takes a spanking for it. But he doesn't get bitter. You ever whip your child and they get mad at you and run to their bedroom won't talk to you for a couple hours? I love that. That's two hours of peace that I couldn't have unless I didn't do it. Hey Amen. I'm like, I don't hear a thing. Where's the kids at? They're in the bed. They ain't talking to you. Whew, praise God. Praise God. But David doesn't get bitter about this, but he's getting spank. He doesn't get mad. David takes a spanking for six to eight chapters. The baby dies in chapter 12. Chapter 13, his daughter gets raped. His son, Amon, gets killed by Aspalon. In chapter 14, 15, Aspalon uh, comes back and tries to overtake the kingdom, try to run him out and runs him out of town. In chapter 16, Shimei shows up and curses David. It don't get better in chapter 18, Absalom gets killed. David takes a spanking for this one act that he did. Look how he reached verse 20. When David rose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and char charged his apparel, changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. He's getting spanked real good. But yet he still goes to the house of God and worships. He still comes to the house and worships. Then came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. He's getting spanked, but he still realized the best place that you can be when you get. What's the best place for you to be if you get spanked by your parent? Right up close to them. They can't reach out and hit you hard. David realized, hey, I, I'm taking a beating. I'm getting whipped for this thing. I know I'm getting whipped for this thing. He just gets closer to God and closer to God. David does not let this beating run him further away from God, but he lets him run it closer to God. David says, why not? No matter where I go, thou will be there. You know where I'm at at all times. I, I, so why, why don't you just go and worship me? I'll take the beating. I know that I deserve this beating. I'm going to take the chastening. But I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to keep on loving you. You know one of the surest ways to know the Father that loves you that's like in here, the kids in here, I, I wouldn't whip them to save my life. I threaten it, but I wouldn't do it. Why? Because they're not, they're not mine. That's your responsibility. That's your job. Mine, mine nobody whipped mine. That, that was my job. Because they belonged to me. I, 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 mm, you're mine. I, I can whip you, but I can't whip y'all's job. I can't do that. 
You know, a sure way that you are a child of God. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. He said, verse 5, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise it not that thou chasten of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourge every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with, as with sons, for that son is he whom the father chasteneth not. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have our Father of our flesh, which corrects us and give us them reverence. Shall, not, shall we not much more rather be in subject, subjection to unto the Father of spirit and live? For they verily... For verily for a few days chasing us after their own pleasure. But he for our own profit that he might be partakers of the holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness under them which are ex exercised thereby. You know you are a child of God. When God spanks you, you know that. No doubt about it. He will spank. If you belong to him, and I pray you do, you mess up, God's going to get you. God's going to spank you. Amen. Because you belong to him. You belong to him. Amen.